Have you finished your personal statement yet? Now's the perfect time to get it professionally reviewed by a medical school HQ expert advisor. We have former directors of admissions, admissions officers, and the like on our small team of amazing people. They have the inside knowledge from reading thousands and thousands and thousands, tens, if not 100,000 personal statements going through the process and setting up the process for their whole committee. They know exactly what medical schools look for and the common red flags that can get your entire application thrown out. Take advantage of our flash sale right now, going through May 6th, up to 6,000 characters reviewed for just $150. That's a $75 discount on our regular price. Go to editmyps.com. Again, that's editmyps.com. What happens when you finish your undergrad with less than a 2.5 science GPA? That's what we're gonna find out today with our guest, Mandy, who decided, you know what, I do want to go to medical school, and she figured out how. The Pre-Med Year, session number 476. Hello, and welcome to The Pre-Med Years, where we believe that collaboration, not competition, is key to your success. I'm your host, Dr. Ryan Gray, and in this podcast, we share with you stories, encouragement, and information that you need to know to help guide you on your path to becoming a physician. Welcome to the Pre-Med Years. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm excited to have Mandy on. This is one of the kind of throwback type episodes that I've been loving lately where we bring on someone who unfortunately struggled early on in her academic career as an athlete, as a student, as a pre-med, and really second-guessing her journey to medical school until she didn't. She figured out how to overcome and eventually get into medical school. Mandy, welcome to the pre-med years. Thanks for joining me. Thank you. Nice to meet you. When did you first realize you wanted to be a physician? Yeah, I think um, I think like a lot of people, I first dissected a frog in the <laughs> fifth grade. Um, and that was my first introduction to the wonderful world of science. And um, so that was that was my first little interest into science. And then um, I was a athlete growing up. And um, like many athletes, I had an injury, mm-hmm. saw a doctor, um, was pretty inspired by my experience there. And um, that was really the first time I saw myself maybe becoming a doctor one day. So you you operate on Mr. Hops or whatever you <laughs> called your frog. Uh, you yourself get injured, right? Very common kind of story. Yeah. Um, and, and then you're like, okay, I'm going to be a doctor. You go to mm-hmm. undergrad, get into medical school right away. Piece of cake, right? Smooth, <laughs> smooth sailing. Quite. Not quite, not quite. So let's um, let's talk yeah. about the the journey because that's what this podcast is all about is is highlighting the journey, learning from your mistakes, um, hopefully encouraging people to to understand potentially like yourself that you don't have to be a perfect applicant to get into medical school. As you were going through this process, you mentioned you were an athlete. I, looking at your application, you were an athlete in college. How much of your college choice and, and early college life was 
I'm going to be a doctor versus I want to be an athlete. Yeah. So that's, that's interesting because I had a, a little bit of a interesting history with athletics. So um, growing up, I was a gymnast. I was real serious about it. Um, and then some of my injuries early on in high school led to me ending my gymnastics career. So when I went to college, I actually um, did not go originally to college for sports. But when I arrived at school, um, I saw that like many colleges who have rowing or crew team, whatever you want to call it, um, you can try out. And it's rowing's a little bit like running, where once you learn how to do it, pretty much anyone can can do it. So um, as long I, as you want to wake up at three thirty in the morning, right? Yeah, <laughs> as long as you're willing to do that. Um, so I thought, okay, this was um, not how I thought I would do college athletics, but certainly um was an interesting interesting idea so i tried out for the team made it and then went all into um division one rowing so um that was my transition to college athletics so i did go to undergrad um not thinking i was going to do a sport originally um because of the injuries i'd had in high school so um i did go to college thinking maybe i want to do pre-med okay thinking maybe why not for sure this is my journey because remember mr hops yeah <laughs> um i was someone who loved everything in school i just loved school mm -hmm. so um i think i had a strong interest in science and medicine but um i also loved math and i also loved history and i also loved um politics or psychology anything. So, um, I certainly thought, okay, I think maybe I want to do this pre-med thing, but I'm going to stay open to other ideas. So looking at your transcript, mm -hmm. you may, it sounds like theoretically love to learn and love all, mm -hmm. of, all of that stuff. Your grades didn't reflect that you were good at that stuff. Right. What happened there? Yeah. So, um, I think in, in high school, I excelled pretty easily. Um, and then I got to college and realized I was quite underprepared, underprepared for the college, college rigor, rigorous classes. So I think that was one component to it. Another component was um, my time management skills. I started doing a sport and that suddenly took up a ton of my time. So I think like a lot of people, learning study skills and then also time management was big for me too. Um, and it took me a while to learn that. Yeah, uh, a, a long while. So mm -hmm. uh, are, are you okay if I read some of your GPAs here? Go for uh, it. Just, just to <laughs> let people know. Go so from a science GPA perspective, right? It's like, okay, I'm going to be a doctor. I want to go to medical school. I'm, I'm pre-med. Nine credits of science your first year, 2.21 mm -hmm. GPA. So about a, a C plus -ish, ish average. Um, second year, 16 credits. So more credits, 2.26. So barely moving that needle there. Mm -hmm. uh, third year, 19 credits, 2.89. So creeping closer to that B minus range. Mm -hmm. 
And then finally, senior year, cracking that B average at a 307 with only 11 credits. Mm-hmm. And, and you're all other, your non-science grades are better, but not great. Right. For me, looking at that, that's mm-hmm. someone who I think maybe you said it, you're just distracted, right? You didn't yeah. really put in the time or effort to improve. You were just kind of uh, steady state. <laughs> You were in homeostasis yeah. there. Yeah. And I think, I think, um, like you said, I was distracted. And I think one just mental thing in college was I suddenly was not as good at school as I, I thought I was, but, um, I kind of always knew how to be good at sports. And so when I started rowing in college, I threw myself into it completely, just full focus sports. And then, um, and then school kind of took the back burner, which it shouldn't have. But um, for me, I, I was confused. I didn't know what I was doing wrong. And I threw myself into my sport. Yeah. Typically what I've seen uh, getting a little uh, therapy-ish with, with you is uh, <laughs> students who are typically higher achievers, both athletics, academics, uh-huh get to college, get punched in the face, right? My, my, mm-hmm. my favorite quote from Mike Tyson is everyone has a plan until they get punched in the face. Right. There's, there's a negative feedback loop, although I think it's a positive feedback loop. It's just negative um, yeah. of, wow, I'm not as smart as I thought I was. This is harder than I thought it was. I have this other thing over here that I'm doing well at, aka athletics, I'm going to focus on that because it makes me feel good and I'm good at it versus the classroom stuff is making me feel bad about myself. So I'm just going to avoid that. Is is yeah. there some of that in there? Yeah. yeah, definitely. There is some of that in there for sure. For sure. So at what point, if ever, did you second guess being a pre-med, going to medical school, going, well, I guess this isn't in the cards for me? I think that was constantly in my mind after really after my first semester where I didn't do very well in my classes was, well, I know, well, I thought back then you had to have good grades to get into medical school. Well, you do have to have good grades. (laughs) You don't have to have perfect grades. Yeah. You don't have to have perfect (laughs) grades. But, um, I thought, well, you know, I need near perfect grades to go to medical school and I just, I'm not getting great grades. So maybe I should look into something else. Okay. And did you start to explore other things or were you just busy with the athletics? And you're like, I'll figure it out eventually. So I'll just keep puttering along. Well, so I did do some research and shadowing in undergrad. And that was one thing that motivated me to continue thinking about the medical path. But when I graduated, I did work. um, I did take a job as a lab tech doing routine lab work because I thought, well, you know, maybe I'll like this better instead. Okay. So you graduated college. Mm-hmm. You obviously at that point didn't take the MCAT, didn't apply to medical school during normal time frame. Right. And you went and explored another career, mm-hmm. potentially medical adjacent with research that so maybe I can kind of get my socks off over here. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Why didn't you stay there? Um, well, I felt really, um, unfulfilled, I would say in, in doing lab work. I, um, 
I liked, I liked the, I guess, mindset that the lab had towards doing lab work, which was um, always think about the patient behind the test tube. But I was always focused on the patient. I was looking at the names and the labels thinking, like, I want to know this person. I want to understand their history. I want to um, go through this experience with them. The lab work I was doing was um, we were doing uh, PCR for finding transplant matches for bone marrow transplant patients. And I thought, wow. You know, I, I really want to get to know these people. And here I am working, pipetting by myself in a lab and not getting to work, build relationships with patients. Mm. And that's, that's really what motivated me to return to the, maybe I, maybe I really do want to be a doctor. You really do want to be a doctor. Again, this logical kind of mm-hmm. process. The grades don't support that though at least your, your undergraduate grades, what right. gave you the, the encouragement or belief that you could f- repair what had happened? Because a lot of people are out there probably telling you like you, you blew your shot too late. Yeah. Well, funny you ask is actually your podcast. So, <laughs> um, so while I was doing lab work, we were allowed to have a headphone in and do our lab work while we listened to something. And I, um, thought, I just started researching, you know, how to go to medical school. Um, I'd heard of a post back. So I had happened upon your podcast and I think I listened to, I don't know how many hours and hours of your podcast while I was um, uh, at work, um, hearing all of these success stories of people who turned around their grades um, to go to medical school. And so that's where I thought, okay, maybe I can do this. Um, and so I started a, a DIY post back at the um, a local state university. So you have some encouragement. You don't have to be a perfect student. You find out about these post back things. You go and you do that. What gave you the the knowledge or, or again, the, the kind of strength and, and, uh, encouragement that you're going to be a different student now. Yeah. I think I learned that a little bit my senior year where I, I finally broke that, that B average in my, <laughs> my science classes was, um, I finally looked at myself in the mirror and decided to take responsibility, um, for my grades. I think especially in undergrad, um, and I certainly don't do this anymore, but in undergrad, I, there was always some, some excuse, oh, the professor was tough or I, I got the hard professor, that test wasn't fair, that question was tricky. But ultimately, I think, and I, maybe you've said this in your po- podcast, but, but nobody cares. <laughs> nobody cares how hard the professor was. That's not going to end up on your application. What, what matters is did you persevere? Did you accept the challenge and, and get through it? And so similar to sports, which I've, I've done challenges in in sports my whole life, which was, am I going to get through it or are you going to give up, um, and make an excuse? So I decided to take the mindset that I use towards sports towards school, which was, this is a challenge and I know that I can do it. Um, 
and I'm going to find a way. And so I fixed my study habits and I think now they're really good. Um, and fixed my time management and got focused. You graduated undergrad with less than a two five ish, I think science mm-hmm. GPA. Yeah. You did it post back uh, a regular old undergraduate level post back for first. What, what, led you down the path of the post-bac that you did? Was it a formal post-bac, a do-it-yourself post-bac? And why did you do that versus uh, some sort of master's or SMP level Mm -hmm. program? Yeah, um, I'd heard of the post-bac program um, at the state university that I went to, that they had, um, that there was a pre-med advisor there that um, helped a lot of students who were doing post-bacs. And it was affordable for me. It was something that I, I was supporting myself. And so um, I could reasonably pay for school and go to work and support myself. So that was something that I was also interested in. Um, I think with the formal postbacs, I just, I think quitting my job and, and being a full-time student and taking out loans was not a reasonable option for me. So um, I, I tried tried to do the DIY post back. I <laughs> took a couple classes and to see how it went. And, um, and I liked it and kept doing it. Uh, you liked it and you were very successful acing every class. Were there any moments early on or later on during your post back where you struggled and you're like, uh Oh, like, I don't think I can do this. Or was it just, just so much different with your mindset shift? Um, I think, I think it was a little bit of both. My mindset shift was a game changer for me. I was committed to this path. Um, and also my time management skills had improved to the point where, um, I think I was just more focused so I think that helped a lot, but there was definitely a moment. Um, I think um, I, I think you saw my application there. I had a good 4.0 in the post back, and but there was a moment I remember um, in my organic two in my post back where I took the first test and I didn't do hot, and I was like, oh my gosh, you know maybe maybe I'm not going to get an A in this class, and. I, I had that same moment where I had to look in the mirror and say, Mandy, are you going to let this get the best of you? Or are you going to accept the challenge and do it, do it, do what you need to do to, to study and, and ace the class. And so, um, yeah, I think there were some challenges, but I was really focused and really committed. So you, you do well, uh, in your post back, uh, apparently there's this newer thing. I don't know what it, what it's called, uh, like the MCAT or something <laughs> <laughs> that's out there. Um, you've, you've quote unquote fixed yourself GPA wise. Yeah. You've, you've proven you took 28 credits uh, from a science perspective um, and did your post back 4.0. Mm-hmm. But before we get to the MCAT, at what point did you realize, okay, that's enough? Right. I, I don't need more credits to show what I'm capable of. Was it was it as just a simple math game of like as soon as I break 3.0, I'll I'll be done? What did that look like for you? 
Um, it was a couple factors. I think um, the one was breaking the 3.0 for the science GPA. Mm-hmm. Another one, um, my advisor at the post-bac program had told me I needed at least 30 credits. Um, so I was shooting for the 3.0, the over 30 credits. And also at that point, I was running out of money. So, <laughs> <laughs> so practically, I was like, okay, I think, I think we're done now. <laughs> yeah, it's the perfect American answer. I just, I don't have any more money for more schooling. Right, right. Yeah. I had my, I was um, making good money at my lab job. And so I had saved up enough to finish my post back. Okay. And um, I had taken a clinical position um, for, for some clinical experience and a, and a job that I was more interested in. And, um, so I knew that I was going to deplete the savings pretty quick. Um, if I had to take any more classes. So got it. Got it. Okay. Very interesting. So this, this little thing called the MCAT, how different or similar was that in terms of your mindset of like, no excuses, go and do it. Um, talk, talk about your, your triumph or, or struggles with the MCAT. Yeah. So I think I took the MCAT earlier than I was originally planning. So I actually applied last cycle as well. Oh. And so, um, plot I applied last, yeah, <laughs> plot twist, I applied last cycle and didn't get in, um, because I rushed it. I did what you said not to do, which is, um, don't rush it. (laughs) But I did, I felt the time pressure. I was, I was ready to get going with my career, with my life, going on to medical school. And I thought, you know what, what if I just study for three or four months for the MCAT, take it at the end of summer, apply a little late and get my application in this cycle and see if I can get in. Were there, but before you continue on, um, mm-hmm. and, and I've talked about this whole Fauci effect of BS yes. for a while now. Yeah. Uh, you, you're one of those. Yes. Was there any thought about rushing your application with the hope that the MCAT was going to be less important for that specific application cycle? Really? No, okay. I think I've just been so, I think with my clinical job, I realized how much I do want to be a physician Mm -hmm. and how much I love this. Okay. And I think I was just felt ready, even though application wise, I wasn't in my heart. I was ready. Got it. (laughs) Darn Um, heart. Always making dumb decisions. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So, um, so the MCAT was a challenge, I think, um, because I had put too much on my plate. I thought, Oh, my time management skills are so good now. But really, I I shouldn't have rushed it because at the time I was finishing my post back, um, so I was taking like I think eight credit hours that that the time. Okay. Um, I was working full time in the clinic. I was also working part time on a startup that I work on. I was also working part time as a tutor. Um, and then with trying to rush my application, I was also working on my application. Um, so I was just doing. I was doing too many things and I should not have rushed. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That, that tends to happen. And, and it's interesting. Uh, and, and I wonder if you had this conversation potentially with your advisor at your post back. Students who are in a post back trying to do grade repair, mm-hmm. applying during the post back without those credits finished, mm-hmm. it's, it's like this catch 22 of like, 
I'm in the process of showing you I can do well, but I still have a lot to do. Eight credits is a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so I'm applying, hoping that you'll give me credit for something I haven't done yet. So I, yeah. I, I always discourage people who are doing SMPs and postbacks, wait until you're done with your credits and then apply because you, you can't assume that a school is going to look at updates to say, okay, I finished my last eight credits and I still got a 4.0. Uh, it's just, it's a risky move there. Right. It definitely, I hadn't received that advice, but, um, I wish that I had, had done that. (laughs) (laughs) Got it. Got it. Yeah. So, um, you applied last year, any interviews last year? I got one. Okay. Mm -hmm. And how did that go? Um, I think I did not prepare as well for it as I should have. Um, I was a little, I think I was super nervous. That was one. Um, and I think that I should have done a more formal mock interview. Um, I had kind of read your book, thought about questions, um, had in my, had an idea in my head about how (laughs) the interview would go because I, done plenty of like job interviews and was like, Oh, I'm good at a job interview. Like I'll do, I'll do fine. Um, but it was very different. And I think that I rambled and, um, didn't, didn't, I think express my experiences or, um, my background as, as well as I could have. Yeah. So, um, I don't know if it's in, if it's in my interview book or not, but I I often say um, in my interview when talking about the interview, mm-hmm. um, you'd mentioned right. I thought about what I would say in my head. Like mm-hmm. we sound like rock stars in our head, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but as soon as we spit it out, uh, it's 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 kind of like rocks. Uh, mm-hmm. Doesn't doesn't come out near as well as uh, we articulated it just thinking about it. So right. Um, is that the same school that you got a, a second chance at or no? No, uh, okay. a different school. So, okay. I so actually, is that bad? They were like, we're not bringing her back. <laughs> we're not interviewing <laughs> her again. <laughs> Stay away from her. Okay. No, um, yeah, I, I did not receive an interview from them um, this cycle. So their loss. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So again, going, I, I keep coming back to confidence because that is something that just students lack. They mm-hmm. are either told by an advisor, mentor, family member, whoever, like your grades aren't good enough, you're whatever, right? Mm-hmm. You go through this process after doing super well with your post-bac classes, eight credits shy of finishing roughly. Um, you go through an application cycle you're rejected. Here's this first like objective data that from the medical schools of, oh, I, I can't do it. They don't want me. Mm-hmm. What gave you the confidence to go, screw it, I'm applying again? Yeah. So I think um, when I had first told my, my post-spec advisor that I wanted to apply the cycle earlier than I thought, she said, um, if you don't get in, are you going to be okay? <laughs> is that going to hurt your confidence too much? Or is that going to, is that going to be, is the rejection going to hurt too much um, for you to apply again? 
And so I think that was always in the back of my mind because she had she had mentioned that she didn't think I was quite ready yet. And so that was always in the back of my mind, like I might get rejected this cycle, but I can't let that get to me. Yeah. Um, And so but it was hard. It was certainly hard going into the next cycle, feeling already rejected. I was my confidence was definitely wounded. (laughs) Yeah. Confidence wounded. What feedback did you seek out to understand what you could do to improve moving forward? You, you had the extra credits that you were finishing up. You had your MCAT score, which is so, so can we, can we mention Mm -hmm. your MCAT score? Yeah. Yeah. That's fine. Five, five Oh seven. Mm-hmm. All right, 124, 126, 126. You're crushed like Sosh with a 131. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so you've made up lots of points there, which is right. which is the good one. Um, were you thinking like, I need more clinical, I need more shadowing, I need to take my MCAT again? What what? How did you navigate that reapplication improvement? Yeah, um, I think a big thing was having my post back completed. Mm-hmm. Um, I had gone back and read some, some of the schools I had applied to actually, if you do a post back, they want you to finish it before you apply. <laughs> so I think that I kind of, um, shot myself in the foot. They're not, um, not being careful on reading, um, school websites before I apply. Um, and then I had thought about redoing the MCAT, but I'd heard, I know you talk about, you know, 507 is not bad. I don't, I don't think it was helping me, but I don't think it was really hurting me. Mm-hmm. So I thought, okay, I'll keep that the same. I knew um, that I needed more volunteer hours. So I did more, I increased my volunteer hours. Um, and then I really, I think I just tried to adjust the way that I wrote some of my essays. Um, I, I definitely use your advice on the personal statement the first time around that I applied, but not as much in the experience section, the activities section. Um, so I changed the way that I wrote most of my activities um, in a way that I think was more descriptive and um, and more compelling. Yeah, that helps. How many interviews did you get the second time around? So I've gotten two interviews. Um, I got, I applied MD and DO schools this cycle. So I've gotten um, one MD interview that um, led to my acceptance. And then that was my dream school, top choice school. Okay. (laughs) So um, I received a DO interview and then I ended up deciding to decline the interview um, because I knew that even if I was accepted there, I probably wouldn't take it over over yeah. my my dream school. And um, you know, just from listening to your podcasts for years, I know that, and I, I thought that I would be as well the the student that gets that one interview that gets that one acceptance. And I didn't want to take that away from somebody. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. What was it like to get that acceptance call or email? Um, absolutely surreal. (laughs) Um, I, I, well, I got the call earlier than I was expecting. I interviewed in November and I was, 
um, at work. It was the end of the day and I see my phone. I was just doing some documentation. So nothing, nothing super busy. Thankfully I could step away. I got a call and I like, I looked at the caller ID and I just thought, no, no way, no way. <laughs> so I, I took the call. It was my interviewer. And, um, and at, at first he, he was talking and he was like, are you there? I was just speechless. I just had nothing. I could say nothing. And, um, and I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm here. And, um, and he just told me I was accepted and congratulated me. And, um, I think I closed myself in an office and cried for like an hour. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Nice. So you have, uh, this kind of feedback loop, uh, mm -hmm. uh, closing the loop where you go through this process, you get feedback from a GPA perspective that maybe this isn't the path for you. Mm -hmm. You find a podcast, uh, that, <laughs> that says you can do it here. Are other people who have done it. Right. And now you're one of those students. Yeah. So there's someone else listening to this who needs that same encouragement that you had a couple of years ago. What, what can you tell them? Um, I think what I would say, well, number one, surround yourself with people who support you um, and, and turn down the volume of the people who don't, if you can't walk away from them. Um, so surround yourself with people who support you and believe in you. That's number one. Um, and number two is to do the things that you love. Um, I think that you say on your, on your podcast all the time that you should do the, do the hobbies and activities that you love because you'll be able to talk about it really strongly in your application. And then, um, the last bit of advice that I've heard from someone and I think is generally true is don't accept advice for people who don't have what you want. Yeah. So, um, people who maybe don't understand the process or, or whatever, um, lean away from, from advice from those kinds of people and, and lean on, on finding a, a good mentor and, um, community that, that supports you and can advise you in the right direction. So that, that's an interesting one. Cause I, I disagree with that advice. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> For one very specific reason, mm -hmm. it, if we take take that advice more literal, right? Yeah. Don't take advice from someone who isn't a physician is basically what you're saying, right? And and I think there's exceptions. But... There, there are a lot. There are lots of exceptions. I yeah. And, and my philosophy is mm -hmm. just because you're a physician, just because you're a medical yeah. student, doesn't mean you know what the heck you're talking about. When it That's comes true. to getting That's into true. medical school. And I crack up every single day. There's a new pre-med turned medical student who all of a sudden has a website and is offering personal statement help and come oh, yeah. interview with me. And it's yeah. just hilarious because they're typically operating based on an N of one. Mm -hmm. Right. And and right. everything that I've done and, and the success that I've had, mm -hmm. humbly speaking, I think, <laughs> is is not because I'm a physician. It's right. because I started a podcast almost 10 years ago mm -hmm. and I talked to as many people as possible, including and especially 
the people in power, the deans and directors of admissions, the different ADCOM members. I go to conferences and speak at conferences and talk to these people. Mm -hmm. Um, Not because I'm a physician can I give advice. It's because of the knowledge that I've gathered and stolen from other people. (laughs) Uh, On top of just my general kind of life philosophies that I've I've learned outside of uh, uh, the whole pre-med space. So, um, yeah, that, that's an interesting one. Yeah. And I think, I think I mean that more so in the sense that, um, I think a lot of family members, friends and so forth like to give their opinion on what you're doing and how you're writing <laughs> your essays and, yeah. and, um, and I always found that like listening to your podcast or, um, asking a mentor, um, a physician mentor, um, their advice on, on my application, um, helped me more than the naysayers or the yeah. people who are not in this world yeah. of, of the pre-med world. So I definitely agree that there's an exception to the rule and, um, and that, uh, like, like you said, the deans of admissions and, and, and you having your podcast and speaking to a lot of people are, um, is where you gained all your expertise. Well, thank you for coming on and sharing what you've learned and mistakes you've made and how you've course corrected along the way to hopefully uh, help motivate, encourage the the next generation of, of students out there. So thanks for coming on and sharing. Thank you. All right. So there you have it. Just another example of not being a perfect student, figuring out how to improve, having that upward trend, not having a perfect MCAT score to balance out a lower GPA, which a lot of students think you need to have, but ultimately told her story, applied with the stats she needed that were quote unquote good enough, and she got in to medical school. Congratulations, Mandy. Good job, and thank you for coming on and sharing your story. If you are doubting yourself in this journey, go back and listen to many of these pre-med years episodes where I'm talking to students who have overcome similar experiences that you are struggling with right now. I hope this encourages you. I hope this motivates you. I hope this keeps you going on your path to becoming a physician. Have a great week. We'll see you next time here on The Pre-Med Years. This is MedEd Media.